Asalaamu As Alaikum. Peace and blessings to all our listeners out there. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and Imam Safir uh, Khan. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you in the, uh, in the studio today. Thank you very much, Talib. Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace be upon you. It's uh, great to be here with you. Yeah. Uh, we're just discussing, uh, as normal, the weather and how changeable it is. So uh, for all our listeners out there, if you didn't hear that uh, excerpt in the news just now, there's been a yellow weather warning across England, most, mostly northern <coughs> England. But uh, just be careful out there. We don't seem, do we, Sophia, to be able to escape the clutches of the northern coldness currently? No, it's uh, kind of greyish outside, but it could well be white uh, in a few days Let's or next not. week. <laughs> Let's hope not, because... <laughs> <laughs> that will mean travel chaos on on the on the on the roads on the trains and everything. So, yes, stay yeah, safe. you need to be staying safe, wrap up, and keep warm. And as normal uh, on 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 the drive time show, we uh, approach very contemporary mm. issues, uh, and none more so than today. Uh, we have unhealthy children. Now, who is to blame for their poor health? We'll be dealing with this in the first hour we'll be looking at you know the reasons why uh root causes for i suppose this this growth in unhealthy children <clears throat> yeah so, it's it's a very important topic it's a topic that we discuss from time to time uh because um there are about 200,000 children um waiting for treatment for mental health issues uh, here in the UK, I believe. And there's also been a 90% surge in hospital admissions for eating disorders over the past five years. So, <clears throat> you know, as you know, we recently the government also has put in place the um, uh, sugar tax on sugary drinks. Mm -hmm. And that was after, after a very long time of kind of contemplating of how do we change uh, the way the mindset yeah the mindset uh, and and the habits of of children who mm -hmm. are exposed to uh, food and drink that is unhealthy for them mm -hmm. uh, it's a big problem mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's now kind of going in the right direction that there's obviously more awareness there's more push mm -hmm. towards making sure that you know children um, are Eat healthily, kind of, yeah, and are are put into a not only just for their physical, but for their mental well-being. Well yeah. And in the second hour, we'll be dealing with, like I said, a very contemporary subject. Hashtag, uh, I think, reclaim social media, and this is a yearly event, I think, and it's to actually look at all our different forms of social media platforms, whether they be Facebook, uh, Instagram, WhatsApp. Twitter and see how they can be used in a much more positive and I suppose fulfilling way uh, because we know I think Sophia you know, when you go on to these uh, social well these platforms that they can be very I suppose insular in a sense and they're echo chambers and you know if you basically if you have for instance very negative uh, connotations or negative emotions let's say right they are amplified because you don't seem to, I mean, that's the thing. You, uh, every um, platform has its own algorithm mm. to make you aware of people who have the like, same type of thought, uh, thought yeah. processes. <clears throat> and you end up being, I suppose, amalgamating or joining, emerging with those people who have those similar thoughts. So if it's a negative type of thought, whether it be, 
you know, anti-establishmentarianism, anti-something or another. Yeah, it can you, shape you your changed. thoughts. It can exactly. shape uh, your future as well. Now, I mean, that's how powerful the social media has become. Uh, even, you know, uh, in in workplaces, you can get fired just over a social media post as well. So yeah, exactly. It's it's become really really crucial uh, part of our life, mm. not only for information and uh, for connection. But also uh, as as your footprint. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You and you just really... and the thing is, it's forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no way, uh, unless you happen to be a government minister, that you seem to lose WhatsApp messages uh, <laughs> randomly. Uh, but yes, it's forever, and it's always out there. And no I matter. Suppose, I suppose you can delete some messages, but uh, obviously, if you have said something or if you have expressed yourself in a certain way and people mm-hmm. have captured that maybe yeah. or screenshot of that then mm-hmm. it's there forever it's there forever and it's there to kind of come back and bite you really but anyway those are our two subjects <laughs> without further ado we'll jump into our first topic of the day which is unhealthy children now who is to blame for their poor health uh, it's a question of who is to blame uh, for you know the unhealthy mentality of uh, children mm. now it's a it's a complex question actually and it's multifaceted because it has various factors i mean really you would say straight away well it must be the parents right mm. yeah but it's not always the case you know it's easy to just blame the parents i guess um they do have a big role but then as you as you said yes there are many factors that we are going to look at in this show mm-hmm. um you have the society around you that affects uh you have the school environment, uh, friends, um, as well as um, you know the, the the policies as well that is, that is in place and the facilities that children have. Some children don't have uh, facilities that promote healthy well-being for mm-hmm. them. So then they they really are short of uh, options. Maybe mm-hmm. parents cannot afford to to I, I think help them that's, in that way. A very old argument now mm. uh, that has been always touted that okay convenience is that word of convenience mm. and as parents might be occupying two both both parents let's say it's you know you've got two parents in a, fa- in, a in a family setting mm. and both parents are working and it is hard to you know go shopping food <coughs> shopping provide you get home you're tired how do you cook a meal um, or you know can you cook a meal from scratch you're tired already, right? So how is that possible? I personally always say that that's possible, right? You can just knock up anything. It's just, it just takes a bit of planning, and that's the word, right? It's yeah. actually meal planning. But it's amazing how that uh, just on the basis of if eating healthily, uh, you affect so many factors uh, regarding a child's health and mental health, ultimately. I mean... You know, you quoted some stats earlier on in the piece, but there's been also a 90% surge in hospital admissions for eating disorders over the past uh, five years. A further 35% increase in hospital admissions for eating disorders was just observed uh, in the period of 2021-2022. Now, Abu Huraira reported uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, as saying, a strong believer is better and is more lovable to Allah than a weak believer. And is good in everybody, but cherish that which gives you benefit in the hereafter, and seek help from Allah, and do not lose heart. And if anything, 
in the form of trouble comes to you, don't say, "If I had not done that, it would not have happened so and so." But say, "Allah, did did that what He had ordained to do?" And your if opens the gate for Satan. So I suppose I mean you're the Imam here. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> you explained it well as well. I, 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 yes. Yeah, I mean if we. Uh, look at to that extract as mm. that saying from the Holy Prophet peace and blessings be upon him ultimately you know what's that saying to us <clears throat> in a day to day basis it's like don't procrastinate right yeah yeah uh, to to look after yourself uh, look after your health as well a uh, strong believer does not necessarily just mean you know uh, uh, physically you know uh, strong and big but it mm-hmm. actually means healthy as well so Look after yourself, uh, be healthy, uh, and also create a healthy environment for your children because they are your future. And they're like a uh, trust or uh, amanat in, in Arabic, which you can say uh, is a word that's been used, uh, something that God has given you as a blessing. So it is our responsibility as parents mm-hmm. to take care of that trust, that, mm-hmm. that gift that Allah has given us, God has given mm-hmm. us in form of children. The best possible way you can, obviously, everybody's circumstances are different. Like, I remember reading something that, um, you know, 50, 100 years ago, uh, a a, a husband's salary would be enough for Mm -hmm. a whole family to pay their bills, to, you know, um, have a house and uh, comfortably sort of, you know, to to provide for a family. Mm. But now... Uh, yeah, I think there's so many factors, and, uh, and things we, are different, we, we did yeah. actually uh, frame <clears throat> that question. You know, who is to blame? It's multifaceted. Yeah, it's I mean, not as if the parents that... don't want to do uh, their best by their pe- uh, by their children. It's just that sometimes your hands, your hamstringed, yeah. right? Yeah, your your you know your hands are tied mm. because you look what's happened in the last you know last year. Yeah. We had a co- you know, it, we're still in that in the UK <coughs> in a cost of living crisis. Mm. Bills have slightly dampened down. In uh, inflation is slightly dampened down. But then we have other factors um, because of our special. Uh, let's call it relationship with Europe. There's going to be extra costs now uh, incurred with yeah. getting fresh food over. So yeah, these things. These things, and then a, we seem to have budget. we seem to have a lot of money uh, to to fund wars, uh, send weapons here and there. But uh, you know, NHS is struggling. We don't have money for homeless people. We don't have money for uh, you know. Uh, helping our True children. Issues. These are the issues, right? And it goes back to what I said about um, if you look 50, 100 years ago, things were so different economically as well. Now there's so much push and almost um, kind of a given that uh, both parents have to work in order to mm-hmm. survive financially. Yeah. And then but what is the cost? The cost is that you don't have the time to spend with their children. And it's... That's that's one of the costs, and yeah, that's vital, really, right? Because if an, your your first <coughs> role model is you know your parents or are your parents, yeah, mm. as as a child growing up, and it should be that's the that is the norm. And when you say, I think you know, you know what is this government? Do we have the funds to to put into um, better nutrition for our children, better school meals, right? I contest that we do do. We do. We have more than enough funds. Uh, Her Majesty's Customs and Revenue actually two weeks ago had a bumper year, right? 
I don't know if you're aware of this. No, I wasn't. So they collected one over, in fact, it's the first time, over Mm -hmm. one trillion pounds worth of tax receipts for last financial year. So you also said about the NHS. Mm. So the NHS bill per year is roughly about 160 billion pounds. So it's only a little dent mm. in that one trillion yeah. in terms of receipts, right? And you know those those taxes that are are supposed to go to our public services. Mm. No, but I think are we kind of like going on a bit of a tangent here and having a bit of a bash? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we are. No, I, I was just gonna explain kind of the point that the Islam's Islamic setup of the family mm-hmm. is really important to remember that there is a philosophy behind it, yeah. and I think maybe we can delve into that after our guest yeah, uh, that exactly. we're gonna take. But yeah, I think that kind of answers a lot of these issues. Yeah, exactly. So we've joined by, actually by our first guest of the day, uh, Dr. Amtul Kudus. Uh, Dr. Amtel is a physician born in the UK, but currently resides in the USA and is involved in clinical research. She is a mother of two. Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace and blessings be upon you, Dr. Amtel Kudus. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Asalaamu Alaikum. Um, peace be upon you too. It's a pleasure to be part of the Voice of Islam radio show today. Thank you very much. So we're talking about unhealthy children and actually, ultimately, who is to blame? Now, in your experience as a physician, I mean, do you believe there is a primary or just a single factor responsible for the rise in unhealthy children? And how can parents, uh, caregivers, uh, health care professionals actively collaborate to address these concerns, whatever they may be? Okay, um, so in my opinion, I think there are multiple factors responsible for the global rise that we are seeing today in in unhealthy children. Now, these include um, (coughs) early lifestyle habits, um, the food choices that we make and the children make for themselves, the environment in which we as a child is brought up. Um, For parents, caregivers, as well as for the healthcare professionals, that good communication is absolutely crucial to provide the adequate nutrition and a safe environment to ensure that the proper growth and development of a child is achieved. Mm -hmm. For parents, firstly, they drop off their kids to a caregiver, for instance, if they're working full-time or part-time, they need to communicate any health concerns their child has, such as any allergies, and specify what they would like their child to be fed during that time. For healthcare professionals, when we are in contact with the parent and, and, and their child, um, especially during, for instance, routine checks, like when the child comes in for the developmental check mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. of routine immunization, um, we should try to alert and be very, very alert and alert the parents if we feel there is nutritional deficiencies or impairment in their physical or mental growth because this is almost like an opportunistic visit that we have with a child the time constraint on physicians in the UK I have worked in the UK um, as well as the US is so great that we don't have time set aside just for health checks Mm -hmm. yes we have the routine developmental checks the immunization schedules which we follow so we should avail those opportunities 
to keep a check on nutritional deficiencies and eating habits. Mm. Because from... I was going to say, from yes. my memory, uh, when yeah, we had these red books where you would chart from birth to a certain we age. We still do. Yeah, we, yeah, still, we do. still do. And after that, yeah. and I think that's up to when they first come into school and the first immunizations, then there's no real, I suppose, mechanism. Exactly, that. mechanism for you mm-hmm. to, con- yeah. you know, to, 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 yeah. to keep an eye as a parent, uh, given the information and feedback that you would get from uh, your your local Absolutely. GP, right? So yeah. maybe that's something uh, that the government uh, could look into, that uh, to, to 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 kind of have yeah. this supplementary uh, regular healthcare assessment. Do you think? Yeah, and it, yes, exactly. And in cases where there is a concern, which they you know they sort of see a red flag for during these routine appointments. Early referral to a nutritionist or a specialist should be arranged. Often in time, there is a dietitian on site in the surgery. Um, there is a deviation in the growth percentile, which can be attributed to poor diet. That too could be referred to an on-site dietitian or nutritionist. This way, um, this can intervene to correct deficiencies and educate them to prevent unhealthy habits. And it's so important with the parents as much as possible because we will see them as physicians one time but the continuation of those good habits to instill those and make them um, a lifestyle is really ultimately the duty of the parent it comes down to that mm-hmm. um, what I can also say that continued follow-up is very important um, if you do detect nutritional deficiencies or a lifestyle eating habits you know that are going to in future lead to unhealthy, um, you know, children with obesity and all the diseases that go with that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, My question is that as a physician, how do you approach assessing the causes of health issues in children, particularly in cases of um, childhood obesity? and, And what factors do you prioritize? So, believe it or not, as of 2023, 36.6% of 10 to 11-year-olds were classified as overweight and obese. Wow. That's a very significant number. That's huge. And as physicians, um, yeah, it's huge. And as physicians, we assess early childhood development, you know, by the common growth parameters like health and weight, hormonal imbalance. Thyroid function is often checked when children gain weight um, unexpectedly. There is also a genetic tendency towards obesity. There are also psychological factors which can sometimes be underrated and missed. So the most common way that we determine a child's overweight is to calculate their body mass index, as you must have heard of the BMI, mm-hmm. which takes into account not only the child's weight, but their gender and age as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason for a child's obesity may not only be due to physical factors, but also to psychological, as I just mentioned. Um, sometimes a child that goes through depression, anxiety, or faces disharmony in a household may simply eat for comfort, or they may eat unhealthy snacks as they do not have somebody supervising their food choices. So that's something very important to think about. 
And also in social media, there are so many false images of perfection being portrayed Mm -hmm. that our children are viewing, you know, and then they start to compare themselves um, with them. And, you know, they feel, I mean, the body and self-image, which causes disorders like bulimia, anorexia, and binge eating. So all of these can distort the healthy lifestyle, which we optimize and which we hope that our children will follow. So, Dr. So, um, oh, sorry. My, yeah. carry, carry on. Carry on. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if, if, say, for instance, we see this in our children, I mean, what strategies are there out there for parents um, to promote a healthier lifestyle then? Okay, so parents and guardians need to monitor their children are what they are watching, Mm -hmm. okay, what they are following from their peers. Good company goes a long way. Monitoring their screen time and what they are viewing on social media is very important because the influence is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And also, um, if there are any signs of any illnesses, childhood obesity leads to several serious adulthood diseases, such as heart disease, diabetes, various types of cancers, and osteoarthritis. Obesity and low self-esteem can also cause downfall effect on child's social interaction, so parents have to look out for that, as well as school performance. These concerns are addressed in a timely manner. They can prevent future implications. You know, so as physicians, we need to create a community setup mm-hmm. with perhaps a social worker or a community nurse to ensure that any child that we are concerned about is constantly comforted, analyzed, and followed up on routine physical examinations as well as mental health checks. Because like I said, it's not just the physical health that deteriorates with children. It's the mental health as well. It's equally important. Um, And the effects of both are different. So the social interaction, the school performance, you know, getting depressed, and then making all the choices for food is due to a mental illness. The physical illnesses would be, okay, you would do routine blood tests, eliminate thyroid disease, heart disease, genetic disorders. Um, So it's really you have to go side by side and be very aware that it could be anything across the spectrum. Mm. But how would, say, for instance, a family within a family, say, you know, you've got two parents and they're working, uh, you know, they they have full time jobs. You know, the Mm. kids are at school. What is a fix for them then? Because it is it takes a lot of time out of their day uh, to 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 actually be so aware and be so on top of what their kids are eating or their kids are looking at or watching on social media how would you know is or is that truly a valid argument for uh, for parents okay so it's it's not easy mm. the first thing is as a physician you need to be empathetic towards that right okay you need to understand and emphasize that this is not something that is easily done you have to very compassionate and calm attitude. Um, You have to try and instill in parents that they need to communicate to the caregiver where the child is spending time, what they would require, like I said in this talk. Um, You know, let them know about any medical issues, let them know of the food choices that you would like your child to, to have. And it's vital to treat childhood obesity early as it will prevent 
future problems. Mm-hmm. Reduce childhood obesity is the most important thing. Why? Because you're implementing the healthy eating as well as activities. Now, <clears throat> outdoor activities with the whole family, when they are present, when they are not working, say on the weekend, on in the evening, if it's you know a bright sunny day, do something together with your children. Make it something that is attractive. Mm-hmm. Now, what I see is parents, when they are away, they will treat their children with unhealthy treats when they do see them. Treats should be offered to children, I agree, but they should be nutritious treats, like a bag of apples, fruits, whole grain snacks, or even a smoothie should be given as a treat. We often have the, you know, the, the, the concept of chocolates, crisps, yeah, donuts chocolates. as being as treats. <laughs> Mm. Well, I, mean, I suppose that's, that's convenient. That's it, it's convenient. However, I mean, it's all about, you know, being realistic that if we do give treats in a healthy form, that will actually be something that children will mm. grow into the habit of, yeah. you know, of having and then Expecting of it passing it on to their families. Mm. You yeah. cannot give a 17-year-old, you cannot expect them to start enjoying a healthy meal with carrots and broccoli when they have never been accustomed to this. Mm-hmm. So we should do a reverse psychology sort of thing, you know, so they're not repulsed with healthy foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> and then, yeah, and the other thing is lifestyle measures. When I say that, I mean a routine in in outdoor activity, very important. And if your child is not interested in school sports, do not regard them or treat them like, okay, that's a failure, you don't want to do sports. Um, you can try your best to do some physical activity as a family, go for a walk in the park, hike, swim, you know, cycling is something very good as well you can do as a family, which not only prevents them and takes them away from the screen time, which our children are involved in excessively, but it also um, encourages them to do that physical activity, which is so much better for them, for their healthy lifestyle, as well as to minimize obesity tendencies. Mm -hmm. Mm. Now, I understand you're in the USA, so that things are different over there, but what role do you see for the healthcare system here in the UK, for example, in supporting parents to kind of foster a healthier environment for their children. I mean, you mentioned some of the things that they can do, but what uh, is the role here of the, you know, kind of healthcare system to to guide? In the in the UK, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I think it's very important to understand that there is a lot of families who are under financial constraint. There are a lot of families who have. Um, a lot of families who have single parents who are working full time, you know, that one parent has a lot of pressure on them. So we have to understand that's the situation. Um, what we can do is we need to educate the parents as much as possible. The importance of healthy eating and the importance of selecting good nutrition for the children. So the healthcare system, I think, has a very important duty to educate parents against lifestyle changes, good nutrition, communicate their concerns um, to the parents when they arise, and also give the parents a platform where they can voice their concerns if they feel that the child is not, you know, um, following their, their advice for good nutrition. Is there something else going on? Is there some psychological element there? Is there some peer pressure? 
culture or other influence. So good communication, education, good communication, and then when issues do arise, make sure there is a referral mm-hmm. um, system. Like if you're concerned for these safeguarding issues at any point, that's something a physician should always be very aware with children, that the children are in a safe environment. And if they do have any concerns, they should escalate that, you know, right away so that the child is in a safe environment um, with people they can trust and parents are informed um, as well as authorities are involved if there is any concern. So very important to have follow-up in the community to protect our children, educate our parents to do the best they can. Um, at the same time, understanding their constraints, mm-hmm. um, you know, with their hands full, you cannot expect too much from them. So that's where you step in as a physician, as a healthcare um, professional, and tell them that this is where you can get help. We have a nutritionist, we have a community nurse, we have a community pediatrician and social workers who can check in on you. Mm-hmm. And then that will make them feel that they are not alone and they may may be able to contribute better to the health of our children. Mm, It's very important. Mm, Very well said. Well, Dr. Amtul Kudus, (laughs) it's been a pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Pleasure. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure too. As-salamu O two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Now, in a, uh, a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, he said, A man does not fill any vessel worse than his stomach. It is sufficient for the son of Adam to eat enough to keep him alive. But if he must do that, then one third, of his, uh, one third for his food, one third for his drink, and one third for his air. So... You know, in those words, Sophia, you know, yes, in the words of the Holy Prophet. These words are so you know, yeah. golden, golden yeah. advice. Isn't I it? mean, if you actually keep that at your mind first and foremost, you will, I think, A, avoid that idea of you know, becoming obese mm. straight away. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think this was the <clears throat> sorry practice of the Prophet of Islam himself as well, that he would only eat, uh, you know, as much as... Uh, he he needed to survive. Yeah. He was never overindulging in food. Um, he was he he used to fast uh, mm-hmm. many days. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, constantly uh, for days. Um, apart from the Ramadan, of course, he used mm-hmm. to fast on throughout the throughout throughout the year. And the funny thing is, Sophia, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this is the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. And currently, you know, you have these fads as to how to lose weight. So it is the fasting. Fasting is a right great now. way to do that. Yeah, and it's intermittent fasting. So a lot of people <coughs> in the West now are thinking actually it's a better way to regulate your weight right mm. and it's to is to be able to um you know lose that weight but not have to change your lifestyle so much so that it becomes you know that idea of having a diet yeah yeah so that's one aspect of it as well but then if you look at it from another point of view it was also at that time they were physically much more active mm-hmm. you know you they were uh, walking uh running um just just out in the open more often than what we are now like the the, the modern technology um, and it's the sedentary lifestyles that we lead yeah. now I, I mean we're looking at you know, social media as well later on in the piece yeah so that 
that's it's how kind it's, of it's, connected it's, it's, as well. It's that, connected yeah, us, really. that like people are uh, kids are just put put behind the screen, and sometimes this is of course where parents' uh, responsibility also comes in. That uh, if 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 the children are crying, then you know instead of panic. Uh, panicking, they mm-hmm. should be actually looking at okay, maybe um, maybe they need some time to go out, get some fresh air, rather than just handing them an iPad with uh, with cartoons on, because mm-hmm. obviously that's going to create that bad habit. And it's simple things that can be done, as uh, our guest mentioned, that you know, just going out for a walk and uh, things that are kind of inexpensive, inexpensive as well. Um, you don't have to be very wealthy to live a healthy lifestyle. You can also uh make your priorities right uh as you mentioned about cooking planning mm-hmm. uh when you go to the shop instead of being attracted by these you know convenient uh, foods convenient right? food, stuff that you stick in the microwave and, yeah, exactly you're ready just in a plan your minutes. plan your week you know uh, get get things that are healthy that uh, are, you know can can be used in different dishes mm. um and throughout the week uh, can really uh, help uh, with your health, I mean, mm. these are the things. Islam is a is is a religion that tells you that always adopt uh, a middle way mm-hmm. uh, in things because that balance is really important. The promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has mentioned in uh, in this as well that as far as our eating, drinking, sleeping, and walking are concerned, they're essential physical action and affect our spiritual well being as well. So our physical figure is manifestly related to our humanity and the relationship between body and soul is such that one cannot explain it easily but careful observation shows that the body is the mother of the soul so if your body body is not healthy Mm. then your spirituality will be struggling as well yeah exactly Uh, research emphasizes the need to promote physical activity (coughs) early and consistently in a child's life suggesting various ways to incorporate purposeful and incidental daily physical activities, such as uh, active play while limiting screen time. And I think this is one of the points that Dr. Amto would like to say. National monitoring is recommended to be improved to better inform decision-making in policy and practice related to physical activity in children. And, you know, we used to have, even, let's say, in this country, I don't mm. know if you're aware, Sophia, maybe about 15 years ago, every community would have a social club, a youth club, right? Okay. And effectively, what you would do at the youth club would be your little, you know, your kids could go to somewhere safe mm. and do kid things, i.e., you know, they'd be playing table tennis. Mm. Uh, it's, a, you know, like I say, a safe environment for them to have physical activities. And it's unfortunate, you know, it's the the reason why I think uh, Dr. Caduce was like saying 36% of children are actually clinically obese now. <clears throat> that would never have been the case, I'm pretty much sure, 15 years ago, even now, 15 years ago, because it's Were simple these, to uh, say clubs kind of uh, funded by the government? Or yeah, because it? it's okay. part of your local community. Right. They would be funded by your council, your local mm. council. Mm. And we've seen those clubs being shut down now because there isn't, you know, local councils have their budgets stretched. And this is something which they unfortunately have taken away. There's not mm. that many, if any, social clubs around now yeah. or youth clubs, I would say. And, you know, one of the points that uh, Dr. Caduce was um reiterating actually is the 
institution of physical activity, even whether it be on a regular or incidental um, basis, if you start that early enough in a in a, a kid's development, it becomes habit. Yeah, and it becomes easy, right? Uh, things like, and this goes towards not just physical well-being, but is <clears throat> you know just streets ahead for mental well-being. I mean, if you think, okay, and you make it as an event, right? Look, it's family. Let's have a family day out. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, <laughs> inshallah, when the weather's better. Yeah, it's sunny out there. Go out for a family walk. You know, pick a park, right? Do your steps. Uh, from what I'm gathering now on social media, TikToks, the best way to lose weight isn't just going into a gym and pushing weights, right? To sustain weight loss and, you know, keep your weight to... Um, a manageable level is actually walking yeah and walking 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 because if you are already and think about this, this is logical right severe if you do have a weight problem you're slightly overweight you don't need to be walking up an incline with extra weights mm. you're carrying that weight in the form of fat anyway yeah. so you know just that extra you know half an hour simple things park, yes it doesn't take much time it doesn't take much time all that is required is consistency and willpower. And mm. that is that is the hardest thing sometimes. I mean, I'll just tell you, this morning I I, I, I was I was kind of feeling not, not you know, doing any 100%. physical. 100%. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exercise. But I kind of had to push myself, although the, you know, the, it wasn't sunshine. Mm. But I, I still managed to push myself to go run for five, five, do a 5k run yeah but you're quite fit right no but I wasn't I wasn't okay. I mean I have I have uh, okay I wasn't I wasn't obese but I was unfit yeah uh, and I can I can I can vouch for that uh, to our listeners out there I wouldn't say Sophia was podgy but let's put it this way most probably liked a chubby. few kind of like uh, <laughs> yeah he's like chub, not even chubby right but just well well What's the word I'm looking for? Well covered. Yes, well covered, right? <laughs> Not a thin guy. But, you know, subsequently he's been doing uh, charity bike rides. So must be doing training for that. And I'm sure that's got you into... I don't know if previously you were into physical fitness and doing I stuff was, like I that. Was into, I'm sure that would get yeah, you into yeah, it, Yeah, right? so one thing I can mention is that you mentioned that starting early really helps. And I think when when I started early when I was in Norway, mm-hmm. and I was in school, we we I joined a football club and we right. used to train mm-hmm. uh, once a week, and sometimes we would have matches. Mm-hmm. But that was something that got me into physical exercise, right. because the enjoyment of the game, you are mm-hmm. with other kids playing and yeah. you're enjoying that, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you kind of dip out of it or uh, get a little bit lazy, I guess you can still go back into it because you've if, had that if, foundation. If you had right? the foundation, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I totally agree with you because I'm in my mid fifties now, mm. and I, I, I think I could lose a couple of kilos, but I've never varied too much. And I put that all down to the fact that during my secondary school, in fact, actually the end of my primary, all through secondary, and for most of university life. I was playing field hockey mm. uh, and I was really into field hockey. I would play for a club. I would play for my school. I, re- I was lucky enough to represent my county. Wow. So it was really, you know, I wouldn't say an obsession, but I would like you, you know, when you're playing football, you'd be training twice, three times a week, even at university mm. where there are a lot of other distractions. We'd be training twice a week, 
yeah. and have a match. It's a you know, standard. Uh, so it would be program, standard, yeah. 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 And you would be um, trained into that mentality that actually it's good. I mean, we release when we're on a physical high, we release all these. Uh, endorphins in yeah. our body, right? Which makes you feel good, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's absolutely. a natural high. It's not an artificial high. It's a natural high. And I tell you, if you don't do it consistently and you kind of are used to and you, you have tasted the, you know, the that kind manner of... manner from heaven. The, uh, yes. <laughs> then then you, you kind of long for it. You want yeah. to go out and you want to do some kind of physical exercise because you know how good it is for your yeah, mental it health. Yeah, it just makes you feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, to speak more about this, we're with our <coughs> next... We'll welcome our next guest, Miss Salma Sultana Khan. Now, Salma is a nutrition consultant based in London who is the founder of Zing... Zingtality, Zingtality. Zingtality. Uh, a nutrition consultancy and online health shop. Assalamualaikum, peace and blessings be upon you, Salma. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Waalaikum salam, you're most welcome. So, first and foremost, how did you come up with that name? Zingtality. <laughs> it was very difficult for Talib to... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister for me, but yeah, I can see it actually, Zingtality. So zinc means energy. Right. I kind of, I got that word from. I sort of made it up, um, thinking of the word vitality, which also means energy. Right. So because zinc means energy, energy, I sort of combined it together. And is it trademark? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh damn. Okay. <laughs> I was like thinking, oh, I can send that in. But anyway, coming back to our uh, topic of the day: unhealthy children, and you know, ultimately, who is to blame? Now, as a nutrition consultant, how would you? pinpoint any or if there are any nutritional issues in a child's diet? So what I would do, first of all, um, um, the parents would sort of come to see me with their child. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they bring their child along, sometimes they don't. It just it just depends on their age or, you know, depending on what's going on. So um, first of all, I get them to complete a health form. So the parent would complete the health form on behalf of their child, knowing them full well if they're on any current supplements or medications or what their current diet is like. Um, and then um, if the parent uh, brings their child in, I would just um, sort of make the general assessment by talking to the child and just viewing the behavior and question the parents around um, the current diet that the child is currently consuming, if they have any allergies, etc. So, um, and then if they, they, may, they may have some medical notes maybe so i mm -hmm. just take a look at those so that's how an assessment is made mm. so we just on a uh with our previous guest dr caduce she came up with a actually a very damning stat which is 36 up to 37 percent of children uh i can't remember the age range she was saying uh are now diagnosed as being clinically obese do you, in your experience of uh, you know the people that or the the children that have come in, um, you know for assessment or for uh, nutrition consultancy with you, have you seen that? I have seen overweight children, obese children, but there's a mixture of uh, children really. So mm -hmm. some may be slim within the normal BMI, but they might have other issues. Right. Uh, maybe they're picky eaters or they have some sort of nutritional deficiency or digestive mm. issue or some sort of allergy. So it really varies, actually. Mm -mm -mm. So how would you uh, advise parents uh, of a child to approach their uh, child's school about providing healthier meals you know, catered for 
you know bespoke meals for their children say for instance they do have maybe a health issue is that possible so um parents can talk to um children uh, the schools and it really depends on which school the child is attending mm-hmm. so maybe some sort of they can come up with some sort of arrangement if the child for example has an allergy um or if they're bringing in food from home or if they might be bringing in food sometimes from home and sometimes eating on site so um sometimes parents ask or request uh the staff at the school to check how much food their child is eating whether it's brought in from home or if it's um you know provided on site and if of course if a child has a severe allergy or even just a sensitivity then that can be jotted down so in that instance according to the availability certain foods can be eliminated when they prepare a certain meal or give a certain snack to the child mm-hmm. so um i think every school is different and uh, a lot of parents what they do is they provide uh, doctors letters uh, nutritionist letters dietitians letters whatever you know just to sort of give some evidence as well that the child really needs um something different at school mm. um how how can can parents help their children um you know eat more um healthy uh, especially in an environment where we now see in a society that both parents are so busy that you hardly get time well uh, they say they they don't get time to really cook up healthy meals for their children Well, kids learn by example. So if parents are eating a lot of junk food, are uh, they eating a lot of fried foods or this, you know, if if that's what the family meal is, then children are going to copy and that's what they're going to consume. But for example, if uh parents um prepare some vegetables with, you know, a roast maybe type of food, something like that and you know, with whatever they're eating just adding adding some vegetables, fruit, then children copy and they learn by example. Um as much as possible it's best to try and eat with the kids um if you can and for very fussy children even sometimes when they eat a small portion of food that's a real accomplishment so it's important to praise the child for even eating a small amount of food that they don't normally consume mm-hmm. so um and it's important not to uh force the child to, that you have to eat this otherwise then they become rebellious and then the next time they won't even bother even trying a mouthful Mm. I mean earlier on I don't know if you heard us I was discussing how to get around this because I I don't subscribe to the fact that there isn't enough time even after you've come home from work to prepare a simple from scratch meal so to actually take away that argument of the being time conscious would it be beneficial for families to actually do a meal plan for a whole week that could be beneficial it just depends on everybody's um, individual um, sort of schedule but mm. these days there's a lot of gadgets available now that can speed up you know the cooking processes for example the air fryer cook- yeah exactly <laughs> the air fryer <laughs> there's even mini grill ovens mm. uh you know just utilizing the oven and just meal prepping in advance having some things prepared in the freezer mm. uh frozen vegetables aren't a bad thing neither are um, frozen fruit uh, sometimes children just suddenly get hungry in the evening rather than giving them a sugary snack it might be better just to give them a nice uh, smoothie with a bit of protein in there mm. i mean would you recommend say for instance your your child is lacking 
in uh, vitamins, maybe minerals, right? And you're not giving, or you're unable to give them sufficient vitamins and minerals in their normal diet, i.e., in their meals. I mean, would you recommend you know any supplements for children in this in this regard? Yeah, of course. Um, supplements are always important. So kids are always running around, especially if they're, if they're not consuming um, enough food or the right type of food, or you know d- during the winter season, especially when they're at school and they're you know, contracting bugs from their friends and things. So it's, I, I would recommend uh, multivitamins usually. Um, some children are fussy with swallowing, so there's also gummy alternatives available that don't have very much sugar or no sugar in them. Then you can um, purchase liquid or, or spray type supplements, for example. Some children, many children actually are deficient in vitamin D just like adults, mm-hmm. so that's important to check that out as well. Um, and uh, uh, there's like elderberry uh, products as well, so rich in vitamin C to help the immunity and omega-3 supplements, which are great for kids just to help increase their IQ as well as they're growing up. Mm-hmm. And some children have many uh, different types of gut issues, so probiotics are very important or as kimchi. well. kimchi. <laughs> yes, I, that I, can. I, but... I live by kimchi, I think. <laughs> I, I think I think many kids wouldn't really want to eat, <laughs> no, eat but if you, if you if you kind of like process that upright, I'm sure they wouldn't understand. They wouldn't know. It would just be quite a, kind of a red mixture. But Sama, it's been a pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us on the Drive Time Show. You're most welcome. Thank you. Have a good day. O two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And you know, in terms of you know, the food industry mm. and how to eat healthily. Uh, the promised Messiah, may Allah be pleased with him, actually said, you know, it should be understood that according to the Holy Quran, the natural state of man is intimately related to his moral and spiritual states, so much so that even his eating and drinking habits affect his moral and spiritual states. That is why the Holy Quran emphasizes physical cleanness mm. and physical moderation for prayers inner cleanliness and devotions. After careful consideration, one concludes that this is the true philosophy and that physical organs have a great effect on the soul. And that's apparent. I think that's so apparent, right? But it's beautifully, uh, very eloquently put there from the promised Messiah that, you know, sometimes I like to indulge. So I I have like maybe half a 12-inch pizza but after eating and consuming half a 12-inch pizza, you don't feel full of energy. You mm. feel kind of like, Lethargic, right, actually, yes. I want to just be in front of Netflix for the rest of the evening. And I'm looking forward to the cookie dough ice cream afterwards. <laughs> so it's, it's a slippery slope. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. you're right. And I think this saying of the promised Sire is, uh, uh, is so inspiring because it starts with your own example. So if you can eat and drink in moderation um, make healthy uh, simple choices I mean simplicity is also very important nowadays mm-hmm. we we have so many options that uh, it becomes like a curse for us mm-hmm. because the more options you have the more you're going to indulge the more you're going to have snacks here and there Sim- simplicity is, Islam also teaches us to be no, simple but if, if, if you have you know, well-balanced meal. Yes. You don't crave snacks. Yes, that, exactly. Right? That's right. You don't crave snacks. And that's the thing. Uh, and I think, you know, if you can cut out those snacks uh, from your diet, mm. 
yourself, right? Then that in itself is an example and a physical, uh, a visual. Sorry, I should、yeah. say,、uh, cue for your children as well. In my household, I, I mean, I'm lucky. I have a cooking background,、mm. so for me, you know, just knocking up anything, right? A kimchi fried rice, an egg fried rice, takes minutes anyway. You've got, and you know, you've minutes, got, yeah, minutes,、wow. right? And it, it's all there in your fridge, larder. So any, in fact, the way I see it is, I mean, even you know, right?、Uh, you could. You have these frozen parata, say for instance,、yeah. and a parata for non-Asians <laughs> is like a flatbread, right? And that takes minutes to 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 cook, yeah, right?、Uh, on a on a tava, on a, any kind of like hot plate,、mm. you cook one of those up, yeah. You can put some, you know, some I don't know, some deli meats on it. Fold it over, a bit of cheese in there. there some salad、go. in there.、Yeah. Exactly. Oh yes, the healthy option. Some salad <laughs> is well, good.、Right? Yes. <laughs> But that is true. I mean,、yeah. someone's like saying just to introduce these vegetables. And I remember my kids,、uh, the boys used to just hate vegetables. But I just pulverized those vegetables,、mm. stuck them in,、uh, you know, whether it be、uh, some mint sauce, yeah, you know, some spaghetti type of sauce, and put and just bang in loads of vegetables there. They don't know what they're eating. <laughs> But they have the taste for it. So the weird thing is now I find that they're, you know, teenagers. They've gone to university, and funny enough,、uh, you know, one of my sons is down in Southampton, and he's cooking for himself. And it's not cooking things like beans on toast or something in the air fryer. The other night I called him up. I said, "Oh, what are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I'm in the kitchen. I'm just cooking." I said, "Oh, what are you cooking?" I said, "I'm doing chicken pasta." I said, "Oh, really?" Yeah, what's yeah? What sauce you do? And he, yeah, we went on a bit of a discussion、yeah. as to the sauce, right? <laughs> and it actually filled me with a lot of kind of like pride in that sense that actually he's he's doing it himself now. And that goes back to the point that you know, if you inculcate in your children at an、mm. early age that this is the thing to do, it's not that hard, mm. really, mm.、Um, and it benefits you, you know. Tenfold, yeah, and it benefits、life. your children. That will, you know, it will result in your children being healthy, and that's exactly what we're talking about.、Like mm-hmm. Unhealthy children, we need to do something about it. We need to make sure that we create an environment for them, and that environment will start at home.、Mm-hmm. And as you said, that you know, you don't buy into that argument that people don't have time. I think it's true as well because there's a question about priorities. Do you prioritize your home? Mm-hmm. Your children, your future,、mm-hmm. or do you prioritize, you know, now and、yeah. your, you know, your so you have、desires. to make a decision. Yeah, yeah you, you have, have to make, to make some sacrifice. I mean, if we look and and you know, community is is at the heart <coughs> of that as well, and、uh, in this country, there's there's communal sports that you can get in, involved with. Yeah, I mean, the schools football week、uh, program emphasizes the importance of school football,、uh, offering teachers and coaches tools and motivation to discuss its benefits in the educational environment.、Uh, in partnership with Pro Direct Sport, for the second consecutive season, the ESFA aims to raise greater awareness uh, 
in 2023, SFW involved nearly a quarter of a million children in over uh, 1,400 schools, with 45% being girls, and received endorsements from the Department of Education, uh, Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport. Uh, And then this year, uh, the goal is to actually engage more schools, uh, pupils showcasing football as a valuable learning tool for fostering friendships, teaching new skills, and engaging pupils Mm. uh, of all ages. And that goes to what we've been saying throughout the show and what our guests have been saying, that it has to be a multifaceted approach. It can't be just, okay, the parents. Obviously, we are pivotal. You know, parents are pivotal uh, in the education of children. But you, know, you have Give them options. the community yeah. as well. Yeah. You have the school. You have government. And it has to be a overreaching endeavour from all these you know, stakeholders. Absolutely. Really. And uh, as we said, you know, the councils, yes, they, they might be stretched. But if you look at your uh, local council, you should uh, check out because often they would have some uh, programs in place where they would have free, uh, you know, sessions running for children mm-hmm. uh, for sports and, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. So uh, still with the constraints, there are still options to be taken advantage of. Yeah, because, I mean, if you just drive around the country, right, on, on, on a weekend, you still see loads of kids yeah, you know, activities kicking, in the park, kicking yeah. around a ball, right? Yeah. So it's just that I think we need to break that uh, unhealthy link that children have with, say, for instance, our next topic, social media yeah. uh, and screen time, because that is another factor, I, I truly believe, that has led to, I suppose, an inactivity in our youngsters now. And it's because it was never an option in my time. I'm sure I would have picked it. Um, but it was never an option, social media. Mm. You know, we only had the option of, right, okay, uh, you either do schoolwork or, yeah, you can go to the park. Well, okay, I know what I'm picking, right? <laughs> so, uh, but now, like, I think it is a point you said, Sophia, that, yeah, you are actually too mu- too many choices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But with that, we'll be going to the news very shortly. Please join us after the news where we will be talking about, I suppose, you know, it's a double it's a it's a double edged sword. Yeah. Social media. Um, but we're going to be looking at it in the positive way. Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings to all our listeners out there. Welcome <coughs> back to uh, the Drive Time Show, Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and Imam Safir Khan. So, in the first hour, we were talking about uh, unhealthy 
children and who is to blame. We address those issues. And I suppose one of those factors towards their unhealthiness was social media. Mm. And in the second hour, we'll be talking about that, right, Sophia? Yeah, we're talking about social media, um, how we can use social media in a more positive way. Um, Reclaim Social is mm-hmm. actually an annual social media campaign that takes place. Every We've year. effectively nicked this uh, topic from Tuesday's Drive Time show because I'm just we, looking, okay. at, I'm looking at the date, February yeah. the 6th. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. yes. So we, well, they can talk about it tomorrow as well if they want. <laughs> they can make comments. They can make comments. <laughs> basically, this um, Reclaim Social campaign is basically a movement that seeks to uh, counteract uh, negativity, hate speech, and tox- toxic, uh, you know, environmental toxicity. Tox- yeah. Toxicity. toxicity in social media platforms by, uh, you know, on the opposite side, promoting kindness, empathy, and constructive communication. So, kind of tackling all the negative things mm-hmm. that we have now seen mm. social media uh, through social media, and and kind of tackling it with all the positives that you can mm. put in there. Do you th- do you think? Do you feel, with your experience, I don't know what platforms Mm -hmm. you're on, but your experience of social media, whether it be through Twitter, (coughs) uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be, that when you're engaged in communicating, it seems to be polarized. You never seem to have, say for instance, a a debate, a balanced debate, Everyone has an opinion, but those opinions, from my point of view, yeah, seem to be, be very... Two extremes. Yeah, extremes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you feel? Yeah, no, I agree. I think people are very um, strong, I think, in giving their opinions. Uh, but why do you think uh, that? Is it because I think you are... You are not physically in front of somebody. Exa- yeah, like now... Right. If I, if we were to have a debate on something, if I was a, I don't particularly like you, Sophia. Uh, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Can't so look we, at your beard, right? <laughs> I mean, we could do this, right? We've presented for a long time yeah. together, but yeah, you you would feel reticent in in really kind of like yeah, going the, going the, for the juggler if you the got someone in front of you. The way you were speaking to right? me right now, I can read your facial expressions, and I meant I can, every word. Yes, exactly, right? <laughs> and uh, you can understand, you can relate to a human yeah. being. Yeah. And you can see, well, this is also a human being similar to me. Mm-hmm. So there's no point of me of hating that person right. that much. A little right. bit is fine, but <laughs> not that much. <laughs> and they're similar, but behind keyboards, people mm-hmm. are re- can your discussion can be right? really vile and yeah, you're uh, evil. And and I think that's the thing that I, we dwell too much in the negativity, mm. um, and ultimately, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm the dinosaur in this room, right, guys out there. But I remember when we first had desktop computers. Like Sophia's now looking at me. Saying, what no, are you I, about, I remember right? that the hard disks. Yeah, the hard disks <laughs> and floppy drives and stuff like that. And when the internet first came along, we didn't know what it was talking about, right? What is the internet? But even then, you know, as a kid, I, I had this thought that, you know, this is a really powerful tool, right? Mm. And it just depends on how that tool is, is used. used exactly. Right? Yeah. Because in in itself, the internet, social media is inanimate. Yeah. It's as good or as bad as you want it to be. Um, the Quran stresses that righteousness is not <clears throat> in precise observance of the rituals, but acts of compassion and kindness. It says that the litmus test for true belief and genuine 
worship is that it leads to compassionate living. In chapter 2, verse 178 in the Holy Quran, it states, Goodness does not consist in turning your face towards east or west. Truly good, the truly good are those who believe in God and the last day, in the angels, the scripture and the prophets, who give away some of their wealth, however much they cherish it, to their relatives, to orphans, the needy, travellers and beggars, and to liberate those in debt and bondage, those who keep up their prayers and pay the prescribed arms, who keep pledges whenever they make them, who are steadfast in misfortune, adversity and times of danger. These are the ones who are true and it is they who are aware of God. So, Sophia, put that that verse, right, into context for us as regards to, you know, social media. Yeah, I think this is this is a verse of the Quran as you recited, uh, you read out the translation of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically... Uh, tells us how we should lead our lives uh, how we should be how how we can be righteous right mm-hmm. and the only way we can be righteous is uh, not by uh, being the loudest you know <laughs> being yeah. the most shouting people down shouting other people down spreading hate and just you know asserting power but it's actually by being humble um <clears throat> using our wealth using our resources um to help people in need and um to um Focus on prayers, focus on self-improvement, self-analysis all the time. And this is what this verse of the Quran talks about, uh, to be steadfast uh, in adversity and, um, you know, spread goodness in the world. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, you know, something very fitting to what we're talking about. He said that um, if you have to say something, if you have to say something good, say it, Mm -hmm. otherwise stay quiet. Yeah, you know, it's better to be silent rather than mm-hmm. saying something that's not appropriate, saying something that's not useful, saying mm-hmm. something that is, uh, you know, derogatory. Because if, if if we think about that statement from um, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, it's so <coughs> apparent, mm. right? The, I mean, obviously, you know, he was the best prophet anyway, yeah. right? From a Muslim's perspective, but for me, you just like saying that so simply is that actually any statement that we can make right is not unless your 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 life is being threatened at that particular moment yeah. whatever i may say to you isn't going to affect you physically right yeah. uh, unless it's like sophia watch out there's part of the roof falling on your head right fair enough but if i were to make a negative comment to you like say yeah i saw you're doing a whole load of crap you know, that was rubbish what you did the other day, you know, your work. What good does that do, really, mm. right? So as opposed to me saying like, oh, you know what? I, I read your piece the other day, right? Oh, it gave me so many much, so many ideas. I never thought about it mm. with that respect, in that respect, let's say. Mm. And the two statements, right? Okay, they're totally <clears throat> opposing in terms of emotion, right? One's positive, one's negative. But ultimately... What has that positive one done for the recipient? Yeah, yeah, it's you know buoyed up their confidence. Absolutely, it's like reasserted that actually what I'm doing is a good thing, and that it inspires the but, other person to maybe you know even uh, even do more mm. research, even do. I mean, this whole more. idea, uh, yeah, I do this in inverted commas, positive criticism. Yes, right. 
I don't believe in that. I just believe that you can have just positive statements. It's mm. like maybe I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe let's think about outside the box, address that problem, that issue from a different angle, right? And I open think it's your an eyes. interesting point because yeah. you made me thinking that from your side it's a positive criticism, mm-hmm. whereas the other person has an uh, has their own way of. Yeah. Uh, Putting together something, right? I mean, can you imagine, right? You say, for instance, <clears throat> you've put together this project. It's mm. taking you months, right? And then you get someone who critiques the project. And most probably, not in a malicious way, but that's how they, they deal with things, yeah. right? Uh, pros and cons. And, but you, yeah, this might be your little child that you've spent that time on. And you want to protect that child, Right. And then you get someone kind of like on social media, kind of, yeah, you know what? It was never going to work, blah, blah, blah. Whoever's critiquing it. Did you ever consider this? You didn't consider that. It's this don't, don't, don't mm. mentality mm. as opposed to the do, 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 right? And it's easily said than done. Be positive. Sometimes we don't. We, we wake up. It's like you said today, right? Uh, I think previously, I don't know if uh, our listeners were listening. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, you know, I feel like doing... Uh, the exercise this morning, but I pushed myself and then I felt better for it, right? So that's the case in point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the, that's the main thing that um, social media is such a great platform to 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 gain, get information um, and learn and, and see things differently. And it's just about how you use it. So um, one thing is that, you know, ultimately you'll come across... Uh, good content, you'll come mm-hmm. across negative content, but how do you make sure that you focus and, and also uh, absorb the positive and kind of shun the negative? That you have to do it yourself. Mm. You have to filter that out, and that's with everything. That's with but see, that, I think that's where the problem lies, right? People because, get sucked in. And, and You know, depending on the platform you're on, mm. a lot of them are echo chambers. So when you voice something <coughs> mm. the algorithms most probably push you towards that chat room yes. which has that same kind of yes, thought yes. process so we must reinforce something uh, as you know voice of islam that all these social media platforms okay they are opinions mm. and that only so don't hold as fact a lot of the stuff that comes out it's opinions right when you have, uh, when you do your research, maybe afterwards, it could pique um, maybe a fascination in a certain way, whether it be for Islam, whether it may be for the truth in the Palestinian struggle currently, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of negative media regarding that. Go do your research. That's what we would advise, right? And you know, the, one of the problems, or the problem with social media nowadays, is that you might think. You know, you're not influenced by social media at all, uh, which might be correct. And you think, actually, you know what? I know better, mm. right? Uh, but the truth is, and this is so much true, if you keep <coughs> on having it, you know, forced in your face, forced in your face, some of that will stick in the end, right? Yeah. Now, Islam teaches us that we should not spread chaos and negativity, but rather we should be kind. And in the Holy Quran, Uh, Allah states in chapter 7, verse 57, and create not disorder in the earth after it has been set in order and call upon him in fear and hope. Surely 
the mercy of Allah is nigh unto those who do good. Mm. And, and that disorder in the earth it does not necessarily mean physically going around hurting people, but also, uh, you know, through your tongue. So mm-hmm. over social media, uh, saying things or spreading hate, uh, again, that is an issue that we have seen increasing with social media as well. Um, that is, again, something that can be avoided by Islamic teachings, following the Islamic teachings. Mm-hmm. What the Prophet said that if you got something good to say, say it. If not, then better be quiet. Yeah, exactly. So, you just hold your tongue. Yeah. I mean, one of those things of social media, like all good things, can lead to addiction. Now, according to research from the University of Michigan, an estimated 210, blimey, 210 million people worldwide suffer from addiction to social media and internet. Often people don't realize that they are addicted to social media. Uh, excessive use of social media can have it addictive effects. The more you use it, the more you want to use it. Uh, we get used, to, uh, or we get used to chatting with friends, exchanging text messages, posting comments, or just mindlessly scrolling through social media platforms. I hold my hand up. I'm a bit of a TikToker. <laughs> I think we uh, all can hold our hand up because. But it's those 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 animal. TikToks here. They're so funny with little dogs. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) With easy access to social media apps and platforms, people tend to spend a lot of time online, often ignoring their real-life responsibilities. Mm. Uh, This addiction can lead to a lack of uh, productivity, depression, and anxiety. Now, Islam has very clear guidelines regarding the overindulgence of any action or behavior. It was narrated by Jabir bin Abdullah the, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, O people, fear Allah and be moderate in seeking a living, for no soul sh- uh, will die until it has received all its provision, even if it is slow in coming. So fear Allah and be moderate in seeking provision. Take that which is permissible and leave that which is forbidden. So we can see it, actually, in society nowadays, mm. aren't we, uh, Sophia, that you know, people walk around and it's as if it's a second limb now. You know, your 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 smart device, your phone, right? I mean, we we're sat here, yeah. And we're constantly looking, but actually, I've got to say, there's so many out times there. actually that I've walked on on uh, on the on the road and somebody almost walked straight into straight me into. because they were. But on the front. The, isn't there a the some definition of that? Is it? Yeah, I'm sure. If yeah, it must yeah, be. Can someone it's, call it's, us in? O two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. No, but there's a terminology of being. You know, you've heard doppelganger, right? Yeah. So you've got a, 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 you know, a similar who looks exactly like yourself mm. somewhere around the world. Mm. So there's a terminology for actually being so engrossed in your phone mm. that you're oblivious to everything it's else. Running. And it's dangerous at the end mm, of the day. Very right? dangerous. But to talk more about the positive aspect of social media, we're joined by uh, another imam and uh, a frequent guest, actually... Uh, in the studio, uh, Kamal Zafar Saab. He could have been here today. Exactly, he could have been <laughs> if he was lucky. But he's 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 here uh, over the phone. Assalamualaikum, peace and blessings be upon you, uh, Imam Kamar. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. We're missing you, man. All right. Yeah, and the calisthenics. But anyway, could when we're talking about 
you know uh, social media right and the effects yeah. and the, really want to accentuate the positive effects of social media now mm-hmm. you know can you tell us and our listeners a bit more about your <coughs> social media presence and what you're hoping to actually achieve uh you know by getting so many followers you know do you want to be yeah. that top dog influencer <laughs> 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 All right. So, yeah, I'm the love of the grace of Allah. Um, I started doing, like, uh, my social media stuff. It's been about a year now, roughly, let's say. Okay. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I get people who ask me, like, how do you do it? What was your formula? And uh, I, I, love, I would love to have been able to tell you guys that I, I really planned this, and I sat down, and I found out the right algorithm, right. And, I, and I properly planned it through. But it wasn't, it wasn't the case. I never no, it was Allah's doing. Yeah, I never thought in my, you know, to be honest, any imagination that this would be me one year later. Mm-hmm. But, but Alhamdulillah, it's given me the opportunity to talk about the things that I feel are important. And I think the way that it gets transpired is that, and I think this goes for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what I wanted to get across. Uh, I, Dalit Sub, mm-hmm. you're a very affluent person by the grace of God. Your screen protector probably costs more than my phone. you got to be joking. Right. Look, uh, yeah. look, listen, listen right. up, right? Yeah. If I show uh, Sophia, uh, my my screen protector is like cracked, man. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, the thing is, yeah, all I'm trying to say is, just like you then, just like you, my phone is not something that I would be like, hey, look at it. It's, it's, a, mm. it's new tech. It's modern and all of that. You know, it's it's nothing like that. And that's, that's the same phone that I've had for a couple of years now. And that's the phone where I started up doing my videos and everything like that. Okay. And even at that time when I started, I didn't have, you know, a, a, a list of 20 ideas or 30 ideas. This is what I'm going to do every single day. Nothing like that. I just got up and I just started. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what I think it takes. That's what I think it takes. When people ask me, what's the strategy? I think the strategy is just, just, just to start. Mm-hmm. And I've read about, there's a lot of statistics out there that talk about how long does it take for you to get out there and, you know, make an but, influence. Yeah, okay, come on, right? You just start. I understand that. There's an inertia that you have to get over it's like most things when you start a project but yeah. what is that what, but ultimately you had to have that spark right some content mm-hmm. yeah something to kick you up the people, ass yeah. right to get you out of bed to say look i'm gonna do this to be honest with you um i've always been the kind of person that's wanted to do this kind of thing probably well before social media even existed i just didn't know what <laughs> you just think <laughs> yeah. you couldn't find a soapbox yeah uh, I, I think uh, i always large. wanted to create something be a little bit creative right, uh, okay. bring a bit of energy to, to people and this was one great way that i thought i could do that but also get the message across mm. uh, and like i was saying i think what i read up on is there are a lot of people that will start and they'll stop before they get to the 100 video mark because okay. it, it, people just normally give up Mm-hmm. Because it's a long road and people will be like, oh, after video 20 or video 30, it's not working. I'm not getting the views. I'm not getting the followers. And consistency fades away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not the thing. Once you started, keep discipline up until video 100. Mm-hmm. And keep that discipline going week to week. And that's when algorithms usually start taking you a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. And I actually personally saw this as well. It was video 101 for me okay. that pretty much changed everything. Um, really the algorithm so what, what changed? Of it. so it just um me, to be honest it was obviously for those of you who don't know i do islamic content i mm. do miracles of the quran i do islamic stories i comment on political affairs from an islamic angle anything that you would expect from a muslim influencer to kind of talk about mm-hmm. and i think it was ramadan last year where generally uh, there was a lot of focus of of muslim audience on social media they're looking towards religious influencers mm-hmm. religious people and what they're talking about with faith. So that was kind of the time where I was posting some of these videos. 
And that's that's one major factor behind why I think uh, they were received well because there was the attention for it. Okay. But also a shift from uh, the way I used to create content as well. Um, so I would, you know, I started editing them properly with, mm-hmm. you know, actual softwares and things like that. And that probably changed things a bit. But the most important thing I think is just to go out there and not be afraid and actually speak about what you think matters, mm-hmm. regardless of what kind of backlash you think you might receive. Mm. This is what I think is incredibly important. It's not just me. I think there's a lot of red pill, blue pill type people out there right now who have very extreme narratives, but whether you agree with them or not, the the fact of the matter is that they are brave enough to go out there and Mm. voice their opinions. And I think when it comes to Muslim influencers, we should not be on the back foot. Uh, I know that we're going to talk about this later, but there's a lot of stereotypes about us. People are worried about what kind of impressions do people have about Muslims. Uh, we cannot, we cannot have this mindset all the time. We can't always be on the defensive. Mm-hmm. We can't always be apologetic. Sorry, we exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, we're not as bad. No, we don't. That's not the narrative that we should come with. We should have come with confidence mm-hmm. that we are in a place where we don't need to apologize, but we need to tell people that we have something to give you actually on your hand. We have something that you can benefit from us. Mm-hmm. So, so listen to what we've got. Yeah, and hence the positivity the kind of, in the message, right? Yeah, it needs to be motivated. It needs to be. You need to be determined in that, and in that com- translates across into the way that you say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so picking up on on these um, challenges uh, as a Muslim, that you you come across a lot of misinformation, yeah. uh, hate towards Islam and Muslims yes. on social media. So, what particular uh, you know kind of things stood out for you and you decided that look I'm gonna do a video on this to uh... I mean what do you how do you deal I mean picking up on this thread from Sophia right I'm sure you get a lot of negative uh, feedback mm. right people right. in your replies are saying what the hell are you talking about go back to wherever you're going from you know that mm. racist idea right Islamophobia right. how do you deal with that then so yeah, so obviously the content that I personally try to do is largely positive content as far as I can. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, talking about Islamic stories, miracles of the Quran, and generally my target audience are those people who are either already Muslim or those who are interested or curious about Islam, and this is something that allows them to come in. So I would say actually before answering that, I would say a majority of the messages that I get mm-hmm. and the comments that I get are actually very positive. Okay. And in fact, in fact, uh, and inshallah we'll be, I'll be starting a podcast series soon, just to prove this point, there are so You're using many... us a... Don't, we can't no, no. advertise for you, man. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is that there are actually tons, tons mm. of people that are joining Islam right. on social media. Mm-hmm. And I, that, these are the people that, inshallah, I'll be bringing on okay. to show inshallah. that they're not, they're, not, they're not, you know, they're people that were born here in the UK, mm-hmm. British, they, you know, proper, like, born and bred here. Mm-hmm. And they have been able to push past the narrative push right. past the stereotypes and actually not only be curious about Islam, but accept it. So this is the first thing I wanted to say. This idea that there are so many people that are negative out there, I think even that might be a bit tad too exaggerated. Mm-hmm. There are so many people out there that if we just reach out to them, they will be incredibly curious about what we have to offer. Mm. Mm. So in, ter- in terms of with respect to obviously your creating content regarding uh, Islam, okay, yeah, and it's that type of narrative that you're talking about. So when you say that you, know, that you have a lot of people who are following you who are curious about Islam, yeah, in this sense, right? Is it? And you you would debate the fact or 
actually disagree with the fact that it isn't so polarized. Islam is not that polarized, um, yeah. i.e., you know, you're either with it or you're against it completely. You're an Islamophobe yeah. or you're, you know, okay, I was just about to say fundo, but not really <laughs> fundamental, right? Yeah. But you're you're that way inclined. So your experience is showing you that actually there isn't, you know, our old mores I mean, about you know being in one I, camp or the other are I actually. Think, you know, yeah, dinosaurs. I think social media has done a lot for, for us, actually. Let's okay. put it this way. Previously, in the last two years, like I said, you've had a lot of red pill, blue pill, green pill, Instagram influencers, YouTube mm-hmm. influencers, who've been talking about things. They've been talking about feminism. They've been talking about gender roles. They've been talking about mm-hmm. many other things. You know, some even even basic things like relationships, for example, spirituality, belief in God or atheism. And it's not the Muslims that picked up these stories. It's mm-hmm. it's bigger YouTubers that people generally related to them because they knew them from gaming mm-hmm. or they knew knew them from a show or a series. Right. And they're the ones that picked up these topics. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've then managed to create groups in on social media who either believe in it or they don't believe mm-hmm. in it. And it's it's those people and those groups that when they hear about Islam, they go, oh. That sounds really similar to what that influencer is saying. Mm. What, so it's, it's this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, uh, and to be honest with you, nowadays, a lot of youth on social media, they're, they're beginning to see uh, the true colors of what neoliberalism and secularism really does to society. Mm. They're seeing it. They're mm-hmm. seeing how much freedom is too much and how much bizarreness is too much, basically, in a nutshell. So mm. when they see that and they become uncomfortable with it, it, it is the message of Islam and it is this sort of always disciplined middle line that makes them think, wow, there, there, there is actually something behind that. Yeah, there's so like sanity, said, They're naturally right? inclined to it. But yeah. having said that, there are always going to be pockets of people who will be negative. Mm-hmm. There will be negative. And do you know what I do with those kinds of people? Yeah. I don't do anything. <laughs> Did you block the reason them? Why I don't, <laughs> no, I don't block them. I, this, is, this is the greatest thing. The, the right. greatest thing that I do is that usually you get comments that are very negative. Mm-hmm. Now, if I respond to them, um, usually what people will do is they will say, oh, so the, the video's owners responded to it, so that's it, no, we don't need to worry about it. Mm-hmm. If I don't respond to them, um, something even better happens, which is this, that instead of me responding to them, a thousand other Muslims will. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, you, you are an influencer, and your little army kind of like is, is so, backing you up, right? He's like, don't pick on bro. I mean, bro. it's not backing me up. That's <laughs> a great, they're backing up Islam. This is right, what I'm okay, saying. Yeah, they, yeah. There are people on social media that when we say in, in, in Arabic terminology, they have they have, mm-hmm. have honour of Islam in their hearts. Right. And this and is something that we should it. respect and we, we should appreciate mm. that actually we have a sure footing when we come on social media if... We believe that we have it. Uh, anybody who stands up on, on Instagram, as far as I can say, drops a negative comment on any of my videos, any of my posts, I can be sure that by the next day, that person will not only have been sufficiently answered, but anybody else who stumbles upon that comment will see that one negative comment and hundreds of positive comments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that way, it's not really a concern for, for anyone, for anyone really. Cause uh, you know, yeah, but see, the thing is, right, Imam Kamar, you've just totally taken away my third question now. Because really. I was going to say, how do you respond to detrimental right, <laughs> comments? Yeah, so you, you're basically, you, you're saying, I don't even need to do that, deal with that. Because yeah. actually, you the, you the content that you see, or the replies that you see to any negative comments is enough. Yeah. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll share with you something. I, okay. I did receive certain comments do sometimes need, need a reply. Mm-hmm. Um, 
perhaps not because of how much how hurtful they are, but because maybe they need clarification yeah, yeah, or they need enough. a response. Yeah. And I think recently, and for example, I, I know it's a community that is doing this as well, quite large. I've been posting on, for example, the Palestine issue for a while. Okay. And uh, that you know, we we would get every now and then a few comments where people say, "Hey, um, you've been posting about Palestine." And because of this reason, I'm going to unfollow you. This is completely against Islam, for example. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of, from my perspective, that's a fairly misinformed um, comment. And I feel like if there's someone that thinks like that, perhaps we should shed some light on why we do it, mm-hmm. uh, for example. So when I did that and I publicly shared that, what the greatest thing about that was is that although there, there were still those people, I was started with lots of comments of people that opposingly said that we, for example, were not Muslim. Mm-hmm. And we saw your posts on Palestine. And we saw how these people who are living in Palestine, who are Muslim, they're going through all of this stuff. They're losing their their mothers, their fathers, Mm -hmm. their children. How is it that those people that are going through the worst time in their life are still finding some something to hold on to? They're still motivated. They're still finding faith. Yeah, they feel they still find uh, solace Uh, in their religion, right? Right. And And they like they, they literally turned around. They said, "You know what? It was that one thing which made me wonder." There must be something about Islam that's keeping them going. Mm. And now some of them have become Muslim by the grace of Allah. So I think negative comments, I don't really want to even classify them as negative because they more than often than not, I've seen they they bring about positive outcomes. Mm. So so when I talk about this kind of negative stereotype, negative challenges, I see it all as opportunity. It's all about how we see it and perceive it and we can turn it around. Mm. And, And if we bank on the Muslim community that we have on our social platforms, which we do, and they have the honor for Islam, we can do a lot. We can really do a lot. Mm. And, you know, have you signed up any energy drink deals? <laughs> <laughs> I've turned down a few. <laughs> up any, yeah. Just send me a couple of crates then. So anyway, you know, I mean, really, I, I think just our conversation so far with you uh, and Severe here, we've found that there is no... It's, it is. It's, I think, something that I said earlier on. And actually, why I picked up on it was because I had heard this <coughs> imam talk about don't, don't, don't. Don't use don't in parenting quite recently. Mm. And can't the negative. Yeah. yeah, just, just in fact, you know, there, there doesn't have to be a negative narrative in anything, whether it be Islam, whether it be uh, in any of our social issues that we have nowadays, right? Uh, I think people, and I, I, I tend to agree, I think the younger generation now, the youth now, I mean, it's a dim and distant you know, thought for me, the youth, but they are much more aware than we were at you know this age back then. I'm sure of it. Yes. Because you have so much information. Readily available. Yeah, readily, readily available. But uh, Imam Kamir, it's always a pleasure, never a chore to talk to you. Thank you for joining <laughs> us on the Drive Time Show. Right. And we'll be calling you when you hit, I think, a hundred thou, right? hundred k. <laughs> Inshallah. <laughs> okay. Have All a good right. day. That's how we go. Yep. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Give us a call if you wish to share with us uh, your experience of mm. uh, positive experience, perhaps on social media. Um, I think one thing uh, that we kind of have touched upon a little bit as well is that during. Uh, uh, on social media, you're able to get information and news mm-hmm. that big news corporations would not yeah, give you. Exactly. So people can sometimes, 
although you know on social media as well mm-hmm. especially regarding the palestine uh, issue Uh, there has been a lot of shadow banning a lot of mm-hmm. uh, restricted uh, information shares of uh, posts uh, and things like that but largely you would see a uh, first hand you know the reporting of mm-hmm. uh, the plight of the palestinians mm-hmm. which w- i think without social media we would not be able to I, 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 i am inclined to agree with that and i think that is one of the positives that any platform on social media yeah. now brings is that the power is in an individual's hand yep. to report mm-hmm. right and that takes away some of the power not all mm. of national media and we know we we're, we're we're here in the UK and we have a very biased media currently uh, it is predominantly right wing mm. uh, let's not even just talk about the palestine issue um you know let's talk about this racism and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, or just you know something about the cost of living crisis mm. yeah well we don't hear much of that mm. but why do we not hear about that but we're hearing about oh actually maybe you're going to have to be conscripted back into the army to fight <laughs> russia yeah. so you know it's it's a, a shell game yeah right and that is i think one of the positives and i totally agree with you uh in that respect that social media has given us right it has given a lot of power to the individual mm. uh, to society's hands but there is a caveat to that it's and i think i i said it right at the beginning of the piece that don't 100% believe what yeah. you see on Very these platforms fine, yes. right yeah do your research mm. i mean there is you know you do have the internet now mm. and there are other corrupt, corroborating sources that you can go to mm. and sometimes when you find something which is devoid of uh, reporting and the silence is deafening and we go back to palestine mm. right in normal media circumstances i.e. say your national broadcaster i.e. for here the bbc and there is a silence about the genocide that is happening in Palestine then that points a finger already right that actually, why are they not covering that mm. so there must be some truth to it yeah but to talk more about the positivity of social media we're joined by our next guest of the afternoon Jacqueline Way now Jacqueline uh, is an author global keynote speaker mother and founder of charitable organization uh, 365 give She is dedicated to teach, inspire and empower the hearts and minds of people globally to create a happier, more compassionate, peaceful world together. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings be upon you. Uh, Jacqueline, thank you for joining us on the Drive Time show. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here all the way from Canada. Uh, I love what media allows us to be able to do and that's uh be connected to each other. So thank you so much for having me this morning. Yeah, exactly. This is uh it's a, it's a it's a large world but actually we're very close in some respects. So completely I agree. So we're we're talking about uh reclaim social uh using uh your whatever social media platforms you have for good. Uh, I mean, could you tell us a little bit about uh yourself and the organization 365 Give or 365 Give? Absolutely. Uh so 365 Give actually started as a personal parenting project. Okay. And I I love that you've brought social media into this. When my son turned 3 years old, Uh one of the important things for me as a parent was I wanted to teach my child how to be a kind, compassionate, loving, happy little human being. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And what I learned from my parents was when we give back, that gives us the ability to not only make a contribution, but increase our own happiness. So off I went with my son when he was just three years old, and we did one small thing to give back to the world every day for 365 days. Everything we did was so simple, a three-year-old could do it. Mm -hmm. So simple things. We would go down to our local animal shelter, donate blankets and towels that we had at home. We'd volunteer our time with the cats. We'd pick up garbage. My son learned to recycle. So all very simple things that we could integrate into our life every day. Well, the really neat thing about this and what you're talking about right now is that I actually started a blog around it. I wanted to share our giving stories with our friends and family with the hope that we might just inspire one other person to give back in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, these are the times long before TikTok and Instagram, we did have Twitter and we did have Facebook. So with the blog, that's where I also shared our stories as well. And over the course of our 365 days of giving, we actually ended up with a beautiful following of people from all over the world. And people were joining us and giving back because they were inspired by Nick. And this is how we started using social media for social good. Mm -hmm. And today, now over 13 years later, we have programs that have spanned the entire world. And we've been able to take the 365 Give Concepts our programs, um, we've turned it into an educational program that teaches kids how to give. It's been in over um, 180 countries globally with over 600 schools. But most importantly, we really encourage people to show up on social media and use it as a platform to share their stories, what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, to do some good in the world, how they're giving in the world. Because what we know is this creates an actual ripple effect that spreads to every person that witnesses your stories of giving and our ability to create change, not only locally and in our own communities, but globally and how that can spread and change the algorithms of what we're seeing on our social feeds. Mm. I suppose, Jacqueline, you know, it's a bit like as you're describing your organization, 365 Give. It's a snowball effect, Mm -hmm. isn't it? And, you know, the... If we look at the larger issues, I'm not saying giving isn't a large issue, but say, for instance, climate change, it's something which is so, I suppose, immense, right, that we as individuals think sometimes, well, what can I do? I'm just one person, right? I mean, it takes governments to come along and try and help with the climate crisis that we're in. But the way you've, I suppose, framed uh, the, the argument of on how to use social media in a positive way, this this is how you would use it, right? Well, I think one of the things that we need to consider is, first of all, we always want to leave it up to our governments. Mm-hmm. Well, we can see in which states the world is in right now. Yeah. And if we don't all start taking individual responsibility, the world is actually never going to change. But mm-hmm. when you take 8 billion people and we all start doing one small thing to give back every day. And this doesn't require money. Mm-hmm. This is kindness. These are smiles to strangers. This is <clears throat> sharing what you do have in the world. These are the things that we can do in our everyday <clears throat> life to just start showing love and compassion. Mm-hmm. And there's a big part of this that I think people are missing is that when we give, we actually physically change ourselves. Mm. So giving has this beautiful chemical reaction that happens in your body. We call it your daily dose of happiness. Mm -hmm. And the dose stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and your endorphins. And this is a chemical reaction that happens in our body that actually makes us 
feel love. It makes us feel happier. It gives us purpose and meaning. It increases our mental health and well-being and decreases our stress, all at the same time with just one small act of giving. Well, this is the big change. It's not just about you going out and picking up garbage. It's how we are all actually able to handle what's happening in our world right now mm. by helping our emotional regulation, by helping our mental health. And then that spreads to everyone around us as well. Mm. So that's how we can, as a global community, really start to create a huge positive effect when we're taking care of ourselves, we're taking care of everything around us, both the planet, the animals, and the people around us. And then we go out and share that. And that creates the snowball or the ripple effect mm -hmm. that begins to change everything. Because right now, our algorithms on social media are just creating more fear. Mm -hmm. They're creating a more sense of, of, of desperation. We're losing there, hope That's the thing. Mm -hmm. completely. Yeah. But I mean, we have this ability right in our hands to change that algorithm as a collective global community. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that uh, struck me, I'm not sure if it struck Sophia just now, is when you were like talking about, you know, just, it, it, just a, a smile. And, um, you know, we're Voice of Islam, we're an Islamic channel here. <coughs> uh, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, there was a, a, a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, Muhammad, that, you know, the, the most sincerest act of charity is to give salam, is to give a greeting to your you know, your fellow human being, regardless of religion, race, color, or creed. Just that is the simplest thing you can do. And it's amazing what a just a, a greeting, a smile can, A, do for yourself, but also do for the recipient. Absolutely. Well, what we know about smiling is, again, it creates this chemical reaction and your endorphins actually fire and wire along the serotonin, which instantly makes you feel better. So that greeting, and as you said, it's through all religions. We could say namaste, we can say hello, we can say ciao. All of the different ways that it's said in our world still creates the same beautiful reaction in both the person that's giving it and mm -hmm. the person that's receiving it. Yeah. And that's what I think we can talk about with giving, is that if you look at all of the world's religions, all of the things that continue to separate us are actually the one thing that speaks the common language and the common thread. There's over 2,600 different religions in our world, and then we can get into the cultures as well. But we all talk about something that's very common, and that's love, and that's being of service to the world. Mm -hmm. That is the common thread that connects us as a human race versus separates us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, very uh, beautifully said. Um, and, you know, by giving, you, you, the thing is that you never lose. You always gain. Mm -hmm. uh, you gain happiness, you, you give happiness gain. to yeah, yeah. Other people. you never lose. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned you started this uh, 10 years uh, ago with, uh, with your own child. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you say as a parent, have, have you seen your child, for example, develop? Well, I'm very blessed that I have three boys. And I think what we see in our family and what I always look at as a parent, it's not just what I see myself, mm -hmm. but what other people tell you about your child. And what I know is that all the parents we're surrounded with and the school is in their report cards to what my friends share with me is my boys always show up as kind, compassionate, supportive, mm -hmm. um, the first ones to help, the first ones to be kind. That's how they show up in the world, even when I'm not around. And that's the most important part to me is that are they actually 
being the expression of their true nature, which mm. is kind, compassion, and love. And that's what they do when they're outside of the home. They're showing up in the world as their best selves. Mm. And so I feel really blessed that not only have I cultivated that in our family, but they understand 365 Give is who we are. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. part of our human nature. And they're going out and they're being that in the world. And mm. that's all you can hope for as a parent. Yeah, and I think as a parent, you know, you... Yeah, sometimes you think, oh, your, your children do things to, to just please their parents, right? But actually, it must be no. so satisfying that they're actually, you know, this is their own, uh, under their own steam that they're doing this and they understand that. Now, the thing with social media, Jacqueline, you know, is, you know it has that yeah. reputation of negativity, you know, these echo chambers of negativity that are out there, whatever the platform may be. I mean, how can we shift the narrative uh, and use these platforms as tools for spreading you know, joy and happiness as opposed to the negativity? Oh, well, you know, I love that you said that. We literally just launched with a global group of citizens and companies from all over the world. We just launched a campaign, which we're calling All for Love. And you can go see it on the 365 Give handles. And we are literally asking people right now to share a message of love with the world. Because what we know is that when we start sharing messages of happiness, of love, of good, of giving, uh, when we start sharing that on social media and that goes viral, that now changes what Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of them, they're no longer controlling what we see. We're now in control of what's Mm -hmm. showing up in our feed. And I think this is what people forget is that these are all based on algorithms. And ultimately, Facebook and all of the other large companies, they have the ability to sway this any way they want. But when we come together as a global community and our hashtags are love, our hashtags are happiness, our hashtags are social good, giving, kindness, all of a sudden we're changing the system. We're changing what's showing up for us. Because what we know about our brains and the way that they're programmed is what comes up in our feeds just creates more. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't we create more peace? Why wouldn't we create more love for ourselves? Why wouldn't we create more happiness? We know that when we watch the YouTube videos that make us feel good, we take that out into the world. That's Mm -hmm. proven. That's called our mirror neurons in our brain. And that actually happens is when we watch good, we feel good, we take that good out into the world. Mm. Absolutely, and we're all on our phones it's our ability to create change in an instant Mm. if you want a way to change the world it's in your hands every day and we all have the power to do that Mm. I mean you know for our listeners out there I mean do you have a message uh, I mean regarding your initiative with 365 uh, Give Mm. I mean what are the best ways you know to to take this on and to be proactive in it because it is easier said than done um, although, yeah, myself and Sophia were like saying, actually, social media, you can be anonymous, right? You can say whatever you like yeah. because, you know what, yeah. no one really knows you, yeah? You're just a um, whatever uh, kind of like... I'm another hashtag. Yeah, another <laughs> hashtag, right? So, yeah, in, 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 in that terms, I mean, yeah, what can you tell our listeners uh, as respects to how, you know, you've been able to... Uh, take 365 Give uh, on to, you know, heights uh, globally even, right? I mean, what are the best ways to Mm -hmm. take this on? Yeah. You know, I would say the best way to do this is, first of all, think of giving as a practice. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. It's a practice just like brushing your teeth. So if you want to feel happier, if you want to feel more love, if you want to bring that into your life, we all have to practice that. It's like a muscle. You don't go out and get strong or be able to run a marathon just because one day you go and start running. You have to run every day. And giving is the same thing. If you want to increase your meaning and purpose in your life, go out and give every day, something small every day. Then it doesn't seem so big. It's not like you're trying to change the whole world. You're just starting with yourself because giving every day will give you more to your life than you can possibly imagine. Trust it from somebody who's done it with a Mm -hmm. three-year-old. It's changed my world and the way that I look at it. So just think of it as a practice that you're going to go out. It's a muscle that you're going to Mm -hmm. make a little bigger every day. And I always do this. And when I started this campaign with some friends called All for Love, is what we realized is we didn't have to go out. This may or may not go viral. We don't know. But what I know is that if I can just touch one life, if I can make one person feel a little happier today, if I can pick up just a little bit of garbage that's going to help the planet today, or if I can go feed some birds in my garden today, I've done that one thing Mm -hmm. that has made a difference in the world, Mm -hmm. right? Because when I go up, this is a great example. When I pick up garbage, that garbage is no longer going into the ocean down in the street because right. when the garbage goes into the ocean, that then the fish eat the garbage and I'm eating the fish. It's, it's a not even a double whammy. No matter <laughs> way not, you look at it. You're, you're increasing the benefit exponentially. Uh, Jacqueline. Oh, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Jacqueline, <laughs> it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for taking time out well, and speaking you. to us on the Drive Time Show this afternoon. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, and I wish uh, everybody a beautiful day on purpose because you've created it. <laughs> thank you very much. You thank too. You. Have a good day, yeah. Jacqueline. Take care. It's it's a great uh, campaign, isn't it? I mean, mm. it it ties perfectly into what Islam teaches. I mean, everything that yeah. Jacqueline was like saying was just so Islamic. Yeah, really, yeah. right? I mean, we her her campaign. I mean, we have hashtag love for all, hatred for none, yeah. and that has been always our credo here in. Uh, uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. The, the, the thing about the doing something every day mm-hmm. is very, very uh, important here. And in Islam as well, there's mm-hmm. a saying of the Holy Prophet, Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that every day two angels come down, basically, metaphorically, obviously mm-hmm. not physically, but two angels are sent by God. They come down and they uh, observe mm-hmm. and they see if there's a person who gives mm-hmm. in charity then they pray for that person that, oh Allah, God bless this person because he's being generous and he's mm-hmm. helping people. Even if it's a small charity, yeah. one pence, whatever, you know. Or well, like we said, you know, the yeah, prophet said. Even uh, a smile or a even smile a greeting. smile is charity. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, 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 the simplest form of charity. But, you know, <clears> this <throat> is reclaim, hashtag reclaim social media. So how do we reclaim it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it involves, like Jacqueline said, making... Uh, intentional choices and having a mindful engagement. Uh, once you've developed a habit of using social media in a certain way, you may struggle to break that habit because it is, can be addictive, right? Mm. Knowing how many likes you've had, how many people are looking at you, that kind of thing. And, you know, regarding this, fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Hazrat Mizza Masra Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, uh, has said, a man was in the habit of swearing all the time and during every conversation often he would not even realize that he was swearing. Mm. When a complaint was sent to Hazrat Muslim Ald, the, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, associational community, may Allah be pleased with him, he sent for the person and asked him why he swore so often. 
The person swore and asked, who says I swear? <laughs> Thus, once a habit is established, one does not realize what one is saying. Habits lead one to a state where one loses all awareness of it and all awareness is erased. However, if a person makes an effort that he can create awareness and work to reform these habits. So that's what we're talking about. And I think Jacqueline was like saying, you know, you have to do it. It's like a muscle, right? Mm. And it's like any muscle. If you don't exercise it, it just goes flabby and wasteful, right? It degradates. Absolutely. So as a muscle, you need to exercise it. So in respects to that, there are some pointers as to how safely to use say, uh, social media. Mm. Manage your feed. You know, follow accounts that align with your interests. Uh, unfollow. Or if it was uh, Imam Kummer's, um suggestion... Actually, don't block those people who don't like you. Address those issues, right? Answer them. Uh, prioritize content that uplifts, educates, and inspires. Very, very, very uh, important is to establish boundaries, whether it be time, whether it be, uh, you know, you have to have a break from it as well, yeah. right? Uh, promote positive engagement. You know, actively engage in conversations that foster understanding and connection. You know, share content. I mean, and this is something that Jacqueline was like saying. You know, if you share positive con content, no matter what the algorithm is doing, and you make it go viral, the algorithm's powerless. In yeah. fact, the algorithm actually follows you. Yeah, it pushes yeah? it. Yeah. yeah, you have actually beaten the matrix. Yeah. Right, you've picked <laughs> both red and blue pills. Yeah. <laughs> so you know it's just and and I think one of the main things is the education of oneself. I yeah. mean, you learn so much out there. There's so much to learn, but also you have to be wary. You have to filter that the messages that you're getting. Absolutely. Anything and, else to you know, add? No, I think just at the end, like as the prophet said, you know, if you got something good to say, share it. Mm -hmm. But if you not got something good to say, then don't say it. Then don't ruin it for others. Don't mm -hmm. uh, uh, spread, uh, you know, something negative uh, to other people if it's not benefiting them. So yeah, exactly. you can influence in a positive way. Mm. And that's how we should use social media. Mm. Uh, I, I think I would like to reiterate in the words of uh, His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad. Uh, we Amadi Muslims must never allow new technology to deviate us from the path of righteousness. Rather, we must use it to enhance our spiritual and moral standards and to increase our love for God and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, and to increase our relationship uh, of love towards the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. And that was his concluding address at the 124th Joseph Salana Qadian. So that brings us to the end of the program, uh, Drive Time program. A big thank you to our producers, uh, Farah Mirza, Hania Mubarak, Nur Mubarak. A big thank you to my co-host and senior presenter, I forgot to give him his moniker <laughs> actually, senior presenter, <laughs> Sophia Khan. Make sure uh, to follow us on social media. Yes, make sure to follow us on <laughs> social media. If you've missed this edition, you can listen back again on SoundCloud. Uh, but as for Monday's edition, we have come to an end. Uh, please uh, join us tomorrow for a drive time show again. This is the six o'clock news.